All right, and hello and welcome to the Midweeks with Pastor Rob. That's me. Today I want to do something that I have not done before, I think, and that is to uh, totally, well, partially, undo a previous podcast, a previous time together. I've been thinking about Romans 7 ever since the um, audio I put on the net since then, and I think I've come to a more clear understanding of that. And so I want to readdress the question of what's going on in Romans 7 a little bit more deeper, and I want to come out on the side that I think that Paul is referring to himself as a Christian when he's talking about the struggles in Romans 7. I'm kind of getting persuaded that that's um, what what is going on there. And so before when I was talking about it, I said, I don't really know what's going on. Here are the two positions, but I think as I've thought about it deeper that I understand a bit better what is going on in this passages. So I want to share with you some of my developments and walk through some stuff with you. And, and hopefully this um, helps you as you read God's Word and want to understand all that God um, is doing and has done in your life. So Romans 7, the big question, is this Paul talking about himself, or is this Paul talking about what life was like before he came to faith in Christ? And um, what he's describing is his relationship to sin and the law. And so I want to just look a little broader in the book of Romans, and I just want to point out a few things, okay? So the Apostle Paul has already said in Romans in chapter 2 and 3 that there's a problem with the law. It did not produce righteousness in the Jewish people. In fact, it the message of the law is contained the condemnation of the Jewish people. And so Paul says here in Romans 3 verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and that the whole world may be held accountable to God. And he had just quoted a series of scriptures that he gathered from throughout the Old Testament, speaking condemnation against Israel. And so he's saying, um, the law has not saved Israel. Number one, they're sinful. They can't measure up to it. And number two, the law contains within itself the condemnation of Israel for being sinners. But a little bit later, after he's described justification by faith, he wants to begin to talk about the goodness of the law. In Rome, you had a major Jewish um, contingent of the church. And of course, it was going to be very, very important to them about what to do with the Old Testament scriptures. Well, what were becoming the Old Testament scriptures, they were just the scriptures to them because the apostles were just beginning to write their letters. And so he says in verses 27, he says, what becomes of our boasting? Uh, It is excluded. But what kind of law? By a lot of works? No, but by a law of faith. And so you can hear him talking about laws, and he's using the word law, nomos in the Greek, as a, a way of kind of looking at an issue from different sides. He's saying, okay, so there's the law of God, there's a law of Moses, there's a law of works, there's a law of faith, um, there's a law of the Spirit. And so he's using that one word as a way of kind of drawing in, thinking about a complex issue. And so he starts to talk about it more here. And then he says a little bit later in verse 31, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? So do we overthrow God's law? Do we turn it upside down? Do we turn on its head by this faith? And he says, by no means. And when Paul does that, he's being very serious. He's like, no, I am not here to overthrow the law. Oh, 
but you said that it can't save us and we need Christ. Yes, that's true, but I'm not here to overthrow the law. And he says, on the contrary, we uphold the law. So who upholds the law? Believers, Jewish believers, Gentile believers uphold the law through faith in Jesus Christ. And so this is a theme that develops in this letter. And the first thing he does is he talks about how Abraham was justified by faith. And so in the Old Testament scriptures, in the law of Moses, there's the story of Abraham being justified by faith. This is the first way that um, Christians, spirit-filled, believing in Jesus, justified by faith, by the Father, these people uphold the law, number one, by having faith like Abraham. But then he's going to bring up this theme again. This is how I'm beginning to see it here, okay? So in verse um, of 15 of chapter 6, he's going to start saying some perceivably bad things about the law. So he says, are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? Okay, so in Christ you're under grace through faith. You're not under the law of Moses. And this is wonderful. But, and then a little bit later on, he says, um, don't you know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, this is the Jewish people there, that the law is binding on a person as only as long as they live. Thus a married woman is bound by, by law to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law of marriage. Skipping on a few verses. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that, that you may belong to another to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we may may bear fruit to God. So what Paul is saying is that in order for us to be really free from sin, we need to get free from the condemnation and the consequences of the law. And so think back in verse chapter 3 already, we heard that the law was telling the Jewish people, you failed, you're sinners, you're full of poison, you have no fear of God. He says, we need to get out from underneath the law's standard of righteousness and underneath that condemnation in order to belong to Christ. And so by faith in Christ, by our baptism into Christ, we've died with Jesus, we've been risen from the dead with Jesus, and in that dying, we've died to sin, that's chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, but we've also died to the law so that we could live to Christ. And so this sounds again like Paul is saying, we don't uphold the law, we overturn the law. So he has to kind of defend his high view of the law of Moses and explain how God isn't going back and forth. One minute he's saying, obey the law. The other next minute he's saying, the law kills you. So what is it, Paul? The law is good or the law is bad? And behind that is, what is it, God? Is the law good or is the law bad? And many people today just say the law is bad and they, they're just so happy to get rid of it. And they're not totally hearing everything scripture has to say about the law and God's intention for it. And me personally, I, I don't go there and saying the law was bad because it really, it, it, you read Exodus and you wonder, well, why did God even do this if it was just so horrible? If the law was just like this mean, angry bully at high school that just went around beating people up, that doesn't seem very righteous. So for me, it's irrational to assume that the law is inherently evil or to treat it like it's inherently evil um, or bad or unhelpful. I think, you know, it is good. And so I want to understand how the Bible thinks about the law in all its complexities. I don't want to be under it. I only want to be under the grace of Christ, but I do want to think like a God about the law. So this is what Paul says, starting in verse 7 of chapter 7, trying to explain why a sinner needs to get out from under the law through the death of Christ while the law is still a good thing. 
okay? Trying to explain why, as believers, Jew and Gentile both, we need to be separated from the bondage to the law, separated from being under the law so we can belong to Christ, and at the same time saying the law is a good thing. So verse 7, he says, What then shall we say, that the law is sin? Okay, this is a huge question. If I need to get out from under the law, if I need to get away from the law, the law must be sin then, right? It must be something evil. It must be something that needs to be rejected for what it is inherently. And Paul says, by no means. This is unthinkable that God gave an evil law, that God gave a law that's sin. It's unthinkable. So he says, by no means. Yet, he says, if I had, had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. And then he goes on to describe how the knowledge of the law in his life um, is an opportunity for sin to, to spring alive. Whenever he hears God say, you shall not covet, um, there's sin in his heart that comes alive and says, oh, I shouldn't, should I? And he becomes awakened by the call to righteousness of the law and this kind of mystery of sin, this um, hidden bent towards rebellion becomes awakened in the presence of God's law. And he says, this is the problem. And then he says in verse 13, did that which is good then bring death to me? So he says, the law is good. It's not sin. It's holy and good. Um, this is, sorry, verse 12, he says, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So this is what he's saying. God's law is holy, righteous, and good. When we read his law, when we think about his law, we should be thinking this law is holy, righteous, and good. God didn't make a mistake in the Old Testament. He didn't blow it. It wasn't, he doesn't say whoopsie about it. It's holy, righteous, and good. The problem is not the law itself. The problem is something else. And then he says, did that which is good then bring death to me? So the question kind of is here, okay, let's say the law is good, but did God mishandle it? Did did it just not work with me? Um, is it is it like an exposed electrical wire, which carries electricity, which is great, but because it's not protected, um, so, you know, a child can come along and hold onto it and, and fry themselves and hurt themselves or kill themselves with ex- exposed wires. Is that what it is? Is this just sloppy workmanship? Is Has God mishandled the, the, the law around human beings? And, and he says again, by no means. It's... He's, he's saying, let's never think about the law in such a way that it, it impeaches God or condemns God and either how he made the law, that he willed the law, how he communicated it. Don't do that, he's saying. Instead, he says, it was sin. It was sin that did it. And so he goes on to explain how even in his heart, sin is alive or the flesh is alive. And where the flesh is alive, the law... Um, is used by that sin in order to produce death in Paul. And this is kind of like an analogy, okay? So you're around a police officer, and this police officer is a good cop, okay? And you kind of know this cop, and you're on friendly terms, but you have this buddy with you who likes to get you into trouble. And so what he does is he, you know, you're hanging around, and this cop's there, and he, you know, he stuffs your pockets full of joints and then the cop comes around he smells something says hey what's in your pocket and you pull it out and uh, you got all these joints in there and so now he needs to arrest you it's not a perfect analogy in fact it's very flawed but there's this idea it's the goodness of the law that's the problem because i have sin in my heart and so because of this sin in my heart um, the law becomes um, uh, god's wrath against me or god's judgment towards me it's the goodness of the law that is the issue in my badness. And so what Paul is kind of describing here is he's describing the situation where if you just have these three people, 
me, my sin, and the law in the room, I'm in trouble. I can't win because of ongoing sin in my life. And this law cannot attack the sin directly. Okay, that's part of the issue as well. Because the sin is my flesh, it's me. The law cannot uh, deal with the sin apart from condemning me. That's, that's a big problem. And so what Paul does to introduce this way of thinking, he says, um, th- what God has done that changes everything is he's given this, the Spirit. So the Spirit enters into this situation. This is where Romans 8 comes in. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free, or set me free, some texts say, in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Do you hear Paul's talking laws again? He says there's no condemnation for the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And then he goes on, for what for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, so that's that three-person, that triangle relationship I was talking about, the law, uh, the flesh, and me, and I always lose. And this is, Paul calls, a weakening of the law. The law was weakened. It couldn't do what it was, what it was, what it's called to do. It couldn't do, um, you know, it's kind of its mission to produce holiness because of my inherent sin. Um, It couldn't do it. So it says, God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. So Jesus Christ, his incarnation, his death and his resurrection deals the death blow to sin. It attacks my sin and makes it so it's no longer my boss and Jesus is my boss. And it is the forgiveness for my sin, which covers my guilt so that the law doesn't have to attack me. The the law of Moses, the law of God doesn't have to condemn me because I'm forgiven. Okay, so here's Christ. He's the beginning of this salvation from sin in the presence of the law as a Christian. And then it says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So do you see what he's doing here then? He said, um, in this three-person relationship where it's just me, my flesh, and the law, I lose because the holiness of the law and the goodness of the law goes after my flesh and gets me. He says, now this is how, and he's saying, so if I live my life just me and the flesh and the law, I'm toast. As a Christian, this is a, talking about a Christian. But now if I remember and I live out of the truth that Jesus Christ has attacked my sin and defeated the sin and been my forgiveness for that sin, and I remember that I've got the Holy Spirit, which is a supernatural power, I actually fulfill the righteous requirement of the law by walking in the Spirit. Okay, so it's almost like it's taking that three-person relationship and now made it a five-person relationship, where now Jesus has tackled the sin and grabbed it and beat it up and subdued it, and between me and the law becomes the Spirit, where the Spirit actually changes me and empowers me to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, which does a couple things. Remember, we started talking about Paul wants to prove that we uphold the law, we don't overturn it, and he wants to prove that the law is good and holy, and it's not sin. So if all of a sudden Paul is saying, actually, because I'm forgiven, and because of the Holy Spirit, I can actually begin to really fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, 
I can do what the law wants me to do. Two things happen here. Number one, I'm really changed. And number two, I uphold the law of Moses by actually doing it by the power of the Spirit. I begin to do it. I'm transformed to do it. I'm enabled to do it. And that confirms that the law is good and that I haven't um, overturned the law. And through doing that, brought an accusation against God by saying either your law is sin or your law is useless or your law is faulty. God's response is not to say, yes, my law is a joke or my law was wrong. He comes back and says, actually, sin needed to be taken out by Jesus and the Holy Spirit needed to come so you could actually be transformed to obey. And through that, we uphold the holiness and the righteousness of God and we justify God in his giving of the law. And I'm not saying we come underneath it and we say we need to fulfill the law to be righteous. That's what happens by faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that we go and use the law to attack each other. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I am doing is thinking through how Paul has um, described his life as a Christian in Christ and by the Spirit saying, yeah, this, this is God's way. If it's just me and my flesh and the law, I'm toast. But because of Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit, I am not condemned. And by grace, I actually do fulfill God's desires for the giving of the law, which is an amazing thing. So that's how I'm thinking about it. I know this is a long one. I'm already up to 18 minutes-ish, and there's lots of thinking there. I recommend, if you want to think deeper about this, just go through the go through this in your Bible with a pencil, get your journal out and go through it as well. Um, maybe you're persuaded by where I'm at right now. Uh, maybe not, but uh, thinking about God's word and wanting to glorify God by what he has revealed to us in scripture. That's my desire. Have a great day.